This podcast is brought to you by the Islamic Center at NYU, located in New York City. For more information, visit our website at www.icnyu.org. والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن سيدنا مولانا محمدا عبده ورسوله In the name of Allah the gracious the merciful all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the universe, the master of the day of judgment. I bear witness and testimony to the oneness of Allah, to his magnificence, his omnipotence, his might, his glory, to his being the creator and sustainer of all things, the giver of life, the guider of hearts, the master of the day of judgment. And I bear witness to the fact that Muhammad ibn Abdullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the servant and final messenger. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him and upon all those who choose to tread his path until the last day. Amen. It is said, when Adam salam was created by Allah Zawjal, he was fashioned from the many pieces of earth and dirt that make up this dunya. And as Adam salam is created and molded into a actual form that we are taught that when spirit is blown into him it causes him to sneeze and the very first word that comes out of our father Adam peace be upon him his mouth is alhamdulillah all praises to Allah we see a consistency in the utilization of gratitude, praise, thankfulness within the Qur'an as well as the prophetic tradition. That you can open up the Mus'haf and literally the very first word of the very first chapter in that book is Alhamdulillah, all praises to the Divine, all praises to Allah. And to think and reflect upon how in fact Adam's first word, the first word of the Qur'an, and even insight is given to us that after the reckoning, after the accounting, on the Day of Judgment, may Allah make it easy for us. When everything and anyone in creation is brought forth and everything is then said and done, the words will come from creation even to that extent. Everything closes, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, that all praises to Allah, the Lord of the worlds. Its function is beyond just conversation, but needs deliberate application within the course of our days. And to not just see thankfulness and gratitude as something that is a vehicle for superficial exchanges, but has a deepening effect upon our spirituality and our overt wellness. That when the Prophet ﷺ himself is seen praying into the late hours of the night with his blessed feet swelling and the tears dripping from his face, and his wife 
asks him why he's doing this. Is he not forgiven? You are masoom. And his response is, Aflaquna Abdan Shakura, that should I not be a grateful servant? And not as a tangent, but it's interesting to be able to understand that when the Prophet's wife, radiallahu ta'ala anha, asks and inquires about his tears and his need for prayer, and puts it hand in hand with this notion of him being innocent, masoom, saying, why are you crying if you're already forgiven? Meaning that the only time that one should cry is in pursuit of tawbah or repentance, that your tears will only come to your eyes when you are feeling remorseful. But in our tradition, it's not like that. There's not dhunub, it's not dhulam that comes from your hand that you recognize with a sense of, I want to be drawn towards something better that can then elevate you to a place where your tears start to wet your eyes. But also when you feel content and you feel good, and the Prophet reiterates this and says that I'm not doing it because I feel bad about something that I've done. The tears are coming because I feel elated by what it is that I've been given. Fundamentally in this conversation is one that we reflect upon our role in our relationship with the Divine. That last week when I spoke about the need for us to be God-centric and said that this world challenges the notion that it makes sense to live a God-centric worldview, people said to me after the fact, what does that mean? How do we identify it? How do we construct it? How do we live by it? What is the basis of that? These individuals were people who not only identified a relationship with Allah, but the basis of that relationship was rooted in a positive value. It wasn't fear, intimidation, trepidation, but the Prophet is saying to his wife that I'm standing with my God because I'm thankful for it. Adam salam, when he speaks for the first time, speaks in his first word, all praises to God. If it wasn't an important concept, why would Allah make it the very first word in his book that we read over and over and over and over again? But if you were to break it down into the parameters of a relationship, you would see that your relation to Allah is you and Allah. These are the two entities, the beings, that are bridged by some type of engagement or interaction. And in being able to understand and reflect upon the other end of that relationship, a pathway through it is to be able to recognize and reflect upon who it is that you and I are ourselves. And when we say over and over and over, usually at the time of somebody's passing, and may Allah make the best of our deeds the last of our deeds. that. It is indeed that we came from Allah and we are for Allah and to Him is our return. That we came from a place and we go to a place in the pursuit of what it is that we are in search of is not just things that are finite or limited to this dunya, but there's something that's bigger that's there. But to be able to break down who it is that we are necessitates knowing us at our most fundamental level so that we can in turn know who Allah is to us. You want to have a God-centric worldview, you got to know God. And 
when we are in a month where we're trying to get closer to the Prophet of God, وسلم, you're going to hear people say over and over and over again to a point where it can become mechanical, and you don't want it to be mechanical. You want to listen from your heart, not from your ears. To be able to love the Prophet of God, you have to know the Prophet of God. So too, that construct is applicable to God. In order to love anything, you got to know it first. And able to know Allah, it requires you to really know yourself. In Surah Al-Baqarah, when Allah speaks about you and I being sent to this world as He's talking to His angels. That I have sent upon the earth a Khalifa, a representative, a vicegerent, a steward. However you want to identify it. You and I were made to be a representative of the divine as a caretaker of this dunya. May Allah make us from amongst those who recognize and live our purpose. Amen. And the angels, they respond back. That they respond, why are you going to send somebody onto that earth that creates facade and creates bloodshed? The word facade in and of itself, if you pick up any Arabic-English dictionary, goes not through just one term of wrongness, but within the word facade, you have the ability to recognize a lot of different things that are problematic. And in Arabic, when food is spoiled, it's described through this word facade. Corruption is facade. So many different things are talked about in the framework of facade, and in facade you have the gamut of things that are problematic. And then when it speaks about bloodshed, it speaks about it in a very specific frame, but the Mufassirin, when they talk about these two qualities stemming from this verse, when Allah is speaking to His angels, and His angels are asking, why are you going to send those who cause that corruption and cause bloodshed? The Mufassirin say that it gives insight into two of the fundamental blocks that make you and I into humans. That that facade is attached to essentially appetites of humanity. That the yielding of that sense of wickedness, that corruption, that intolerance, that hate, that racism, that bigotry, everything that's spoiled, all-encompassing facade, is when a human can't create or control its appetite. And then that bloodshed that's talked about is not a bloodshed that's rooted in somebody losing their ability to be sane or in a lack of control of their mental faculties. The Mufassirin, they say that that bloodshed that's being talked about when Allah is speaking to His angels gives indication to a second fundamental block of humans. There's our emotions. And just like when you can't control your appetite, it leads to facade. When a human can't control its emotional sense of self, it leads to bloodshed. But you don't have people who really sit down. May Allah protect us from ever becoming this. And it's not to be facetious in any way. But with a sound sense of mind, with a sound sense of being, say, I think today I'm going to hit one of my children. I think today I'm going to strike my spouse. 
It comes from a place where the ability to control that emotional self becomes one that's just not there. The two of the foundational blocks that make you and I who it is that we are. We are people who have a yearning of desire. We have appetites. We have emotions that can control us or we can be in control of them. And as Allah continues on in describing to his angels what it is that makes us human. He says, indeed, I know that which you do not know. And then the verse, it continues, that he taught Adam the names of everything. The capacity for us as humans to be in a space where we can control appetites and emotions stems into this third frame of what makes us essentially human. That's the ability to know and have knowledge. To have capacity of intellect, to be in a place where we are distinct from the rest of creation. And that knowing is what it is that enables us to recognize our fullest of potential and through that pathway of knowledge and knowing ourselves, we in turn create a vehicle for knowing Allah and living in a capacity that enables to live by what it is that He has set forth for us. But where we stumble and we struggle is that the other two blocks always take precedence. Emotions run rampant. Appetites are always in control. We're the only from amongst God's creation. That when our stomachs are full, we keep feeding ourselves. We keep feeding ourselves. We're in a space where, unlike the rest of creation, we will kill and maim and shoot and murder, not in a mode of defense, not for our basic survival and needs, never hear about a lion that engages in predatorial behavior and just massacres entire flocks of gazelles for the fun of it. But when it needs to eat, it eats, and then it leaves things behind. We have everyone please move up and come close. You can fill in all the spots. Uh, there's a lot more people that are going to be coming in. And so the obstruction in that pathway, whatever it is you want to call it, mindfulness, consciousness, enlightenment, that is not rooted in condescension, but that allows and enables us to get to a space where we start to put away the hurdles and obstacles that keep us from living the way that we are meant to live, man. It can be seen in whether or not I'm just giving in letting that appetite control me, letting that emotion control me, and using it as always a justification for my deeds, my actions, my decisions. Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, he writes in a beautiful text about the breaking of two desires. And he speaks about the need to control the stomach and to control the sexual organs. But again, it goes back to just appetite and emotion. Appetite and emotion. And the way to curb it is to recognize the need for that knowledge to make deliberate pursuit of something that enhances parts of yourself, that give you skills, understanding, 
contemplative, reflective, critical insight beyond just the tools that are given to acquire food and drink and sex, living to the potential of what it is that makes us human. So that that inner sense of fulfillment and contentment gives us whatever it is that we need, regardless of how heavy things get. We live in a world right now, man, where in the last week, a black man who is a security guard that sought to defend people in a store was murdered by law enforcement who, when they came into the store, shot him despite the fact that he was the one that protected everybody else. Can you think about that? Can you think about where it is that the facade has gone to? The corruption, the absence of beauty that's meant to stem from our hands. That not only that that took place, but there's probably not going to be consequences to it. And someone would say, well, what is it that you and I could do, even if we couldn't do anything directly, could stand up in the late hours of the night and make du'a for that man and likely the family members that he had who were in turmoil and toil at the way his life was unjustly taken. But it's the distinction between egocentricity and living a God-centric worldview. When you think about and recognize some of what it is that's out there, and says how you and I can live to a potential that does not yield to a submission of the material, but allows for us to walk on this earth in the way that we are meant to. In pursuit of a relationship with the divine that allows for us to move forward in understanding there's a lot more way to go beyond this world. How do you know who Allah is to you? How do you engage in conversations, reflections, understandings, and spending time with the divine? When you read hadith about companions whose faces would go pale as they stood in front of God in prayer, people would ask them why. Beyond what it is that brought them to that place, they believed affirmatively that their prostration was a prostration to a divine being and entity. When you lay your head down to the ground, your forehead is down on the ground in sujood. Who is it that you are prostrating to? And it's fundamental and foundational, not meant to be self-deprecating, but a need to be consistent with it. Because the Hadith says, your iman, your faith is like a pendulum, man. It's going to go up and down and up and down. That's normal. Even the angels, when they are talking to God, and Allah is telling them about creating you and I and sending us down on this place, they ask the question, why are you doing that? These are creatures of light that are made to only obey God. They're asking God. There's nothing wrong with you asking questions. Even the angels do it. You can't be afraid of the answer. And sometimes the answer is going to tell you that, you know what, what you're doing, it is not fitting into that prism of what Allah wants you to do. And the need is to not then retreat back into a place of justification, nor is it to retreat to a place of despair. 
This is Muhammad al Rumi, he says, Rahimahullah, come, come, whoever you are. Ours is not a caravan of despair. We are meant to be the representatives of the divine that make the 70 excuses for the other before we look for any type of flaw or fallacy. To not engage just in the discourse that is of externals, but to see the relationship of the internal with the external and bring everything back to God. And it can be hard. It can be so hard. Because everything pulls us in different directions. The starting point is to allow for us to really build relationships with beliefs, convictions, thoughts, ideals, spending time and understanding who is Allah to me, what is it that I conceive Him to be. The most fundamental verse in our book, our Quran, that defines and describes Allah to us as a starting point, I would say is Laysa Kamithli that there is nothing that is like even a likeness to Him. And that's not to say that, well, where do I even begin? But to take what it is that you taste of this world, love that you have with your brothers and sisters, compassion that you feel from your significant other, being in a place where you look out into there and you see beauty at times just from the sun rising and setting, the gentleness of the breeze and the wind, looking at the illumination of the skies, real skies, man, not skies like our city, which has its own beauty, but you go into a desert, you go into a place where there is no other light other than the light of the stars that Allah has created, and you allow for your heart to look at it, and then you think for a minute, where did those come from? And let it be the vehicle through which you start to understand the majesty and the magnitude of the divine. You sit and you think and you reflect upon what this world really means to you. And I'm going to say it to you and say it to me. But with a place of trying to understand how it fits into my existence, do you believe that there's a world beyond this? Do you believe in the temporariness, the finiteness of this dunya, in the decisions that make you decide how it is that you will be in the wakeful moments of these days? I have a three-year-old son five-and-a-half-year-old daughter. They're the greatest blessings in my life. Make dua for them that Allah gives them only the best in this world and the best in the next. And makes me a good father to them and a good husband to my wife. My son, my daughter, they're really interesting people. But one of the things that I like to do like many people like to do for some reason when they have kids is throw my kids up and down in the air. My daughter, who is getting bigger, she engages it a little bit differently, but she hasn't changed so much from when she was a child in terms of her reactions to it, nor has my son. And when I hold them in my hands, there's such an elation on their face because they know I love them. And I know that they love me. But also when I'm holding them, they know that I would never let anything hurt them. And in those seconds where we're getting ready 
for me to toss them in the air? The smile is still there. There's still a lot of glimmer in their eyes. When I rev up and throw them as high as I can, that moment when they reach the highest point of it, even though it's seconds, the smile just goes away. There's a feeling of helplessness. And then they land back in my hands. The smile is there. That's how we relate to Allah and the dunya. You just got to remember who's holding you. And in those few seconds that is our time in this world that it seems sometimes overwhelming and helpless, just know you're going to go back to him. He's watching over you, not just watching you. And wherever it might feel like you're alone or it's hurting, you got to fit into boxes of a racist, supremacist, patriarchal, capitalistic world that tells you your worth is just on degrees and credentials, how many zeros come after the dollar sign on the check that you cash. Know that you come from Allah and your return is to Allah. And even if you don't know that he's holding you, he's holding you. Watching over you. Simply wanting what's best for you. And in our return to him and where our point of origin was, just like my child who's hanging in that air for what to them feels like a long time, it's just seconds in this dunya, man. Don't make it your priority, but let the priority be the creator of this place. And if you and I want to know the best way to navigate this earthly arena, we should take our insights from the one who made it and yield in that God-centric worldview. There's going to be some things Allah asks us to do that we really love to do. Some things Allah asks us to do that really hard for us to do. And some things Allah asks us to do that we don't even know why we need to do it. But we put our trust in Him. And we understand who it is that's holding us. If you make a mistake, it's okay. Just get back up. If you see somebody make a mistake, don't be the reason that pushes them down for it. but live that role of being a representative of the divine. And allow for yourself each and every day to do what you need to, to draw closer to whatever understanding and recognition of his presence in your life that you can. So that we then embrace the fact that it's okay for us to be different and do it differently. Because we know that there's something much bigger and much greater that's in store for all of us. It might mean living here a little bit different, but that's okay. The payoff is going to come in multiples beyond here. On this day of Jummah, take some time to just sit and think, who is Allah to you? If you are somebody who considers yourself to be quote-unquote religious, 
and know that a religious person would never make somebody feel as if they are not religious. And if you take on that character and quality, then understand that the giving of our tradition is not just simply in the mechanics of things, but how do you represent the mercy of God, the love of God, the justice of God, the exemplify of God to have hope. And you walk with an air of simplicity, an air of peace through this world, and with every breath you're taking, you're thinking and recognizing and remembering the being that put us here and the one that we will go back to. And all he wants from us is for us to try our best. وَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَلِسَائِلِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ اسْتَغْفِرُوا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Next. إِنَّ اللَّهَ وَمَلَائِكَتَهُ يُصَلُّونَ عَلَى النَّبِي يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا سَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد في الأولين وفي الآخرين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم يا أرحم الراحمين اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فافو عنا يا مكلب القلوب ثبت قلوبنا على دينك اللهم اجعلنا من المخلصين اللهم اجعلنا من المخلصين اللهم اجعلنا من المخلصين We begin this supplication in your name, Ya Allah, and beseech you to send your choicest salutations upon your most beloved Sallallahu Ta'ala Alaihi Wasallam. We ask that you shower your infinite mercy upon this gathering, granting each and every one who is present here in and our loved ones only the best in this world and the best in the next. We ask, Ya Allah, that if all of us are meant to be together only at this time, at this place, whether we are young or old, male or female, regardless of our race, our ethnicity, our social class, our country of origin, our cultural heritage, whether we are Muslim or come from a different walk of life, Ya Rabbi, if our individual hearts are meant to be in the presence of all of their hearts that are gathered here only at this time, at this place, gather us all together again in the best of places in the world beyond this one. We ask, Ya Allah, by the barakah of this blessed day of Jummah, that you make us from amongst those who recognize your divine presence in our lives. Make us from amongst those who know you, Ya Allah. And through our knowing of you, make us from amongst those who seek to live for your sake and your sake alone. Help us to be from amongst those who serve as reminders of your existence. Reminders of your mercy, reminders of your love, reminders of your compassion. And forgive us when we forget or make mistakes. Elevate us, Ya Allah, to be from amongst those who fulfill our purpose. To be from amongst the khulafa that you have sent to be caretakers of this world. Through us, Ya Allah, feed your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, clothe your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, give shelter to your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, give strength to your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, give hope to your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, be merciful to your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, be generous to your creation. Through us, Ya Allah, love your creation. Help us to find a love for ourselves that enables us to go out and do all that we can each and every day that we are in this dunya. For those who find themselves in a place of conflict, constraint, tribulation of any kind, Ya Allah, 
We ask that you bring ease to their hearts. Make things easy for the people of Yemen, Ya Rabb. Enable them to receive the aid and the assistance that they need. Young babies, boys and girls, stricken by starvation due to the tyranny and injustice of regimes who serve no interest other than their self-interest. Ya Allah, make it easy for them. Make things easy, Ya Rabb, for our brothers and sisters in Palestine and the unjust occupation that is taking place there. And help us to always carry a light and a love for our brothers and sisters there, no matter how devastating the circumstances might seem. Make things easy for our brothers and sisters in Kashmir, our brothers and sisters in China, who right now are facing all types of inequity and injustice. Let us recognize the privilege and the blessings that you have afforded us here in this place to be a means of support for our brothers and sisters everywhere. Make things easy for our brothers and sisters in India and Pakistan and Afghanistan and Bangladesh. Our brothers and sisters in Somalia, our brothers and sisters in Chad and Congo and throughout the Central African Republic. Make things easy for our brothers and sisters in Myanmar, our brothers and sisters who are refugees throughout this world, Syria and so many places. Make things easy for our brothers and sisters in this country that is plagued by racism, bigotry, classism. And help us to remember always that our brothers and sisters are not simply those who share faith with us, but those who share humanity with us. Let this blessed day of Jum'ah not end without us being a means of benefit for someone in your creation. And help us to live every day bolder and better than the day before, so that we can be the reason people have hope in this world and never the reason that people might dread it. Protect us always from hearts that are not humble, tongues that are not wise, and eyes that have forgotten how to cry. Forgive us for our shortcomings and guide and bless us all. Rabbana taqabbal minna, innaka anta samir alim. Utub alayna ya maulana, innaka anta tawabur rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khali khalkihi muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Birahmatika ya arhamar rahimeen. If you enjoyed or benefited from this podcast, donate and support the Islamic Center at NYU at www.icnyu.org slash donate.